Welcome back to the Own Your Awkward podcast. I'm your host, Andy Vargo, and every episode we get into what has made our guests vulnerable and how they've learned how to own their awkward in order to live their best life. Stay tuned so you can hear every awkward moment in today's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Own Your Awkward podcast. I'm super excited to be here with an awesome guest, Ian Price Murphy from Moxie Bookkeeping. Ian, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I, I've been looking forward to this because you're doing such amazing things out there. Uh, don't take my word for it. Ian, what have you got going on that's exciting that you can tell the world about right now? Well, we just started our group cohort. We only do two a year of our um, Abundantly Clear program, which is getting uh, instant financial clarity for people that don't love the money stuff. Um, so it's primarily creatives and we use the Profit First cash management method to uh, really simplify things and get you permanently profitable so you can go back to doing what you love. Permanently profitable. I love that idea because I've been running a nonprofit by mistake. <laughs> I like to call it. It's not supposed to be a nonprofit for a while. And I, I love the idea of it, of you, the way that you focus on people who don't necessarily love the money stuff, because I think a lot of us get into things because of our passion, but we can't be successful and sustainable if we don't understand the money side. Totally. And, and more than that, I mean, two things come immediately to mind. One is the brutal statistic that I think like 50% of businesses fail in the first couple of years. Mm -hmm. And of those 82% say it was cash flow that brought wow. them down. So not understanding the money stuff isn't just um, a frustration or a worry. It's more than likely the thing that's going to take you out. And you know, I have very strong feelings <laughs> about um, small business being the backbone of this country mm -hmm. and, you know, not having so much of the information that we're given and we're given so little that the information we are given is kind of crappy and it doesn't really help and it doesn't really apply to us, you know, especially for those of us who think of ourselves as creative people and everybody comes with a money story, but creatives tend to come with more, well, not just arts creatives, but like, you know, mental health professionals, mm -hmm. helping people, Sure, people in the helping professions tend to come with a story that sounds like I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I right. shouldn't be successful. I shouldn't be wealthy. It's a sign that I've done something wrong. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, my, my sort of battle cry, um, apropos of my, camouflage sweatshirt today. <laughs> mm -hmm. My battle cry is, you know, it's time for radically kind people to become comfortable with money and power. Wow. Like, I love that. We can't go have our amazing impact in the world if we aren't, you know, turned up all the way and really, you know, serving in a way that also serves us. Just because we make a million doesn't mean we have to keep it. Mm -hmm. You can give it away if you don't want it. Right. But you have to be comfortable with getting it in the first place or you're going to go out of business or well, just this, struggle. 
look. Yeah. Well, and I can totally relate to that because I know a couple of years ago, I was talking to a, a colleague and friend of mine that I met through LinkedIn, and I was continually saying, I don't care about the money. I don't care about the money. It's I want to help people. I want to get to this space. And, and he just stopped me and said, you have to stop saying that. You have to care about the money, and you have to want to be successful financially in order to help more people or for whatever reason. Like, you can't have this guilt about, like, you know, oh, you like you said, kind people. You can't say, oh, I don't feel good being wealthy or making a lot of money because you're not going to have a successful business if you're not not aware of it. Right. That's called volunteer work. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it has a wonderful and important place. And if you're trying to do something in your business, and again, I feel pretty strongly that all businesses should be service-based businesses in one mm-hmm. way or another, then you have to be willing to have more than you need so that you can grow and expand and hire more people and serve more people on multiple levels. Right. And I, I know I, I came from the, the food service background. I was I worked with restaurants for years. And um, one of the things that I would constantly see is these restaurants that open up because out of all small businesses, that's one of the the most highest statistics for failure quickly. I, th- I think that half of them fail in the first year. And I, I don't even remember the exact numbers, but it's it's even more critical. And I, I just used to always say, you know, a good a good chef does not make a good business owner. And Correct. that's where I love what you're doing because you're actually breaking it down in a way that says you don't have to become an accountant major. You don't have to love all the math, but you do have to run a tight business financially for your own sake and for the sake of your employees and the people that you want to, to help. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember, you know, working in a restaurant and on payday, we would all run across the street to the bank and try and cash our check (laughs) Mm -hmm. before the money ran out. Yeah. You know, and not all of us would get it to cash our paychecks all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that, again, that refusal to step into owning a business doesn't just keep you small it, it hurts those around you. Yeah, it does. And I, I think one thing too, that is, is nice to see is that we're getting away from this myth that in order to have a successful business, you have to start with this huge benefactor and this large amount of money. Agreed. Like you can learn how to manage your money and build it in the right way that it then grows and works for you. Yep. So Ian, I like to put everybody on the spot and ask them the one question we all came here for. What is your awkward (laughs) that you have learned to own? The awkward that I've learned to own is that I am a financial professional with a bankruptcy in my history. Oh, yeah. Dang. Right? That's Mm -hmm. not something I wanted to talk about for a long time. I bet so. so. Yeah. Right? Because you don't want your bookkeeper to be like, oh, yeah, just file for bankruptcy. But- Mm -hmm. You know, the the sort of story behind that and why I've come to not just own it, but promote it is I think that that um, reveals, you know, where I'm coming from, why I have the attitudes that I do mm-hmm. um, and, and helps people just feel more comfortable with me because <laughs> they yeah. know that whatever they've done is probably not as bad as what I did already. So, you know, not bad. It's, I don't want to say that, but, you know, what happened was working for people who didn't know how to run their businesses, working for people who chronically underpaid me um, Mm -hmm. or whose checks wouldn't cash at all. Right. And I was working multiple jobs and um, I, you know, kind of the final straw was I was working for this woman. I got hired to be her part-time receptionist. 
at, you know, $9 an hour or whatever it was. And I organized her office. I organized her filing cabinets. I got her a computer. We got her set up on QuickBooks. I learned how to do bookkeeping. You know, her accountant taught me. I was her project manager. I was her office manager. I was negotiating contracts for, you know, Nextel, the walkie-talkie and all of this. And so after like a year, I came to her and I was like, I totally get that you hired me to do this one thing. But I feel like the job has really changed. (laughs) Yeah, it's morphed into something bigger at this point. Yeah. And the people that do what I do make more like 25 an hour. Mm -hmm. So I see your business. I know you're crazy and broke and aren't managing the finances well. So I don't feel comfortable asking you for that much. I'd love to ask you for 15, but I'm just going to ask you for a dollar raise. If I could just get up to 10 bucks an hour, mm-hmm. that would make me feel a little bit better. She goes, mm, I can give you a quarter. Wow. Wow. And that was kind of when I was like, Bink! you know, it broke in my brain. I was like, I can't, um, you know, and I kind of was like, okay, duh. I accepted that because I, Mm -hmm. I'd grown up with this idea that I'm sure many of us have heard, you know, work hard and you'll succeed, right? Follow your passion and the money will come. Yeah. Not so much. Not if you don't know how to, you know, read the, the warning signs and the signs on the dashboard of your car where the check (laughs) engine light is flashing and the, you know, sharp turn up ahead, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway. So, so, um, when I filed bankruptcy, my, my deal with myself was I was never going to go into debt again because mm-hmm. all of my debt was like gas, groceries, you know? Right. Yeah. I'm still play- paying off a blizzard that I bought at Dairy Queen like in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like when I look at like, like you, when you, you look at the, the debt history and you go, okay, this went from here to there and transferred there. And it's like, I don't right. know what that is anymore. And yeah, that's an expensive blizzard, man. I'll yeah, tell you that. Exactly. Much. So yeah, so I so I quit that job and went into business for myself because thankfully I had learned a new skill, bookkeeping. And because she was a um, she was in the trades, I now had connections, and she was very friendly about letting me make connections with all of the people that she worked with. So suddenly I was a freelance bookkeeper for you know designers and craftspeople and construction, and mm-hmm. um, and kind of took it from there. And and being in charge of my own rate. And charging fairly was what got me out of bankruptcy. Yeah. And I I, I love that this is like the, the perfect example of having to own your awkward and make okay. it into something, right? Because it's tied directly to what you're doing. And it's, it is kind of that mark on your history financially that, that, like you say, people, when they look at someone that they want to hire right away, we start to look for all the flaws. Like, why wouldn't we hire that person? Instead of seeing those those things that they've been through as building character and giving them strength and giving them the ability to help you from getting into that place yourself. Yeah. And, and I don't know that I would have thought that myself in the first couple of years after mm-hmm. while I was still in you know, recovery from it. But once I had things sort of stabilized again, and once I had learned all of the things about money that nobody had ever taught me, both personal finance, which also translates directly into business finance, then I was like, oh, you know, and I have this kind of line in the sand of like, you know, when people don't charge enough, I can say very clearly and directly, like you are on a one-way path 
to bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. It might take you longer than you have to get there. Like it might take you a hundred years to go bankrupt because you've yeah. got enough funding right now, but, but that's the direction you're headed in. Mm-hmm. I know for myself, that was the one thing that made a difference in my business was when I was starting my business and finally gave up on the idea that I just need to do anything to get a client and, you know, lower the rate and lower the rate. And I finally redid my budget to the point where I could live off of my day job so that all of my budget was based on my day job and not a hopeful, I call it an honest budget instead of a hopeful budget, right? It was like, I'm not going to have anything on my budget that says, well, hopefully I'll get a gig next month and it'll, it'll carry me for a little bit. And then that gave me the freedom to say, you know what, if I take on a client or anything, it has to be at least at this value. Otherwise, it's not worth me rearranging my time or taking a day off from the day job. And that bigger than just the dollars, the mindset shift all of a sudden made me come across more confident, more valuable and start to realize the value. Yeah. I mean, I think that people don't consider that there are clients that will lose you money. Mm-hmm. even if they're paying you thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. You have to look at the, the, the total cost, which isn't always cost. on the sheet, on the balance sheet, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So was there a moment, I know you said that it, it, it took a couple of years to kind of get stable and, and which anything like that, that's that life-changing is going to. Do you, was there something that made you realize you had to share that you had the bankruptcy or where you realized that that was an important part of the story to be okay sharing? Yeah, that I think that was when I shifted from just being a bookkeeper into being more of a an advisor and mm. a money coach. Okay. You know, that that that's sort of been the well, it's the latest phase of the journey, I would say. Sure. Um, that, you know, as the industry and bookkeeping changed, as software has gotten better and better, as AI has developed, as we have the rise of the virtual assistant, the idea that you need an experienced bookkeeper to do your data entry is kind of irrelevant now. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You know, right. I, I don't see that as a threat to my job. I see that as a freeing me up to do the parts that I love best, mm-hmm. which is communicating with my clients. And there was always this question asked, and I don't like it when I can't answer a question. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> where I would have perfect books. I'd hand over these beautiful reports and they'd go, okay, but now what? Can I afford to... XYZ? Can I afford to hire somebody? Can I afford to move? Can I afford to start a new product line? And I'd be like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's not bookkeeping. I don't know. Right. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that gets into the advisor side versus the bookkeeping where you're tracking the data. Right. And again, to your, your point about the hopeful budget, you know, we would write these hopeful budgets or they would say, can you make a budget for me? And I'd be like, listen, budgets are just guesses. Mm-hmm. So I can guess based on last year plus five, 10%, but your guess is going to be better than mine. So right. I don't know why you would want to pay me to do that. <laughs> and, and so the shift really came with, you know, connecting with my clients, connecting with my potential clients, people who said, I'm no good at this. I'm never going to be good at this. I just don't understand it. And I could say to them, you know, with deep sincerity, I was not born a bookkeeper. I am super comfortable at this now because I've spent the last 20 years applying myself to learn and found that I had an aptitude for it, Mm -hmm. how money works. And that, you know, it's important for you to know that I had a bankruptcy. Like I did not, I started from like, I don't know. Right. Uh, to the point where I feel comfortable charging a lot of money to walk people through a cash management system that that is based on 
real money mm-hmm. budget rather than hopeful money budget. Right. And and I know one of the things that you you have a different take on even the word budget. You have a different idea, right? I remember you sharing this a little bit. Well, let's see if I can remember. I mean, I don't, I just don't believe in budgets. I think yeah, exactly. Budgets. And that's what it was. You said, don't, yeah. don't budget. Yeah. Yeah. Don't bother. Because right. if you, if you have a good system and the system that I love and that I feel like was transformative for our business was uh, the profit first cash management written in a book called Profit First by a guy named Mike Michalowicz that gives every dollar a job and gives every dollar a home. So you're separating out the money by purpose into Mm -hmm. sort of five basic bank accounts, right? Um, So you have an income account that collects all of your money. And by having that separate, you can then begin to see what are the patterns of the flow of money, right? I think of it as like watching the tide. You see the little waves, and then Mm -hmm. you also sort of see the tidal movements of, you know, so in my business, almost everybody pays us during one week because we have a lot of our clients on automatic billing and it's a month end close and, you know. Yeah, it's like time for the money to come in. Yeah, exactly. Other people get really big retainers that need to last months. Other people get, you know, like retail paid at time of service. So just being able to see, you know, are there peaks on the weekend or, Mm -hmm. you know, during certain months, et cetera, that that's not in intelligence that's not data that usually we've got because that's not the way that we look at it and so just by separating that out like you essentially have a report on what's your real money in Mm -hmm. and then if you set aside money for profit which is your savings emergency savings etc you set aside money for your taxes and ideally set aside money to pay yourself then only what's left over become your operating expenses and now you've got a natural budget without having to pick Sort oh, right. of categories of like, I don't know how much I'm going to spend in office supplies. Right. Yeah. Cause I think that most people do it the other way around where they, they have their income and then they decide everything they're going to spend and then they can't pay themselves or there's not savings and all of that stuff becomes the afterthought. Right. Or worse. And I myself am guilty of this. Mm-hmm. The shiny butterfly floats by. Right. And they've just got to, you know, buy that course or go to that conference or get that great bulk deal purchase. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it doesn't matter how much you're saving if you're spending more than you have. Exactly. Yeah. And I know for myself, you know, I, my income comes primarily in two ways. It's either coaching clients or speaking gigs. And those are not necessarily predictable at all. As far as, you know, I can't say, oh, because I get a because I get a gig this May means that next May I'll get the same gig or, or, right. or a comparable gig. And uh, and so whenever I have one of those events come through, I always think the, the phrase that I say to myself all the time is you don't quit your day job because you went on a scratch ticket. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's like, <laughs> this isn't the big saving. Like this isn't like, I don't know that that money will ever come again. So I need to save that for as long as possible, set it aside, look at how I need to maybe reinvest part of it into my business or whatever it needs to happen. But it can't be that now I'm making, you know, just because I get one gig doesn't mean I've elevated my future income to always be at that level. And, and, you know, that my type of work is very fleeting on, on whether or not it's going to, to stay. I mean, it's very similar, I'm sure to what you have with clients. It's, you know, you might have more one month and less the next month and who knows. Yeah. And, you know, not to get all evangelical about profit first, but here I go. (laughs) That's what I love about it is that is based on percentages Mm -hmm. 
And so it doesn't, it's very responsive to fluctuations in income. Yeah. And, you know, and so when the system is fully implemented, there's really only two numbers that you need to keep an eye on. You don't have to look at the full report. You should, but you know, on a regular basis, daily, weekly, whatever, all you really need to know is have I hit my sales target yet? Mm -hmm. And what is the bank balance in my operating expense account? Gotcha. Yeah. Because with those two numbers, you know, I'm okay or I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And, and just like any business volume cures so many things. It's like, if we get that sales driven up, well, not necessarily cures, I should say that wrong, (laughs) but, but only if you handle the money, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's the big asterisk. Cause it also hides a lot of things, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know, um, I've worked for people where they say that just volume cures, everything volume cures, everything. But I've also seen people start a business. And the first thing they do is go into, I need to custom print everything. I need to have this you know, trade, I need to have this, you know, logo created and they're paying all these expenses before, before they've even ever sold a good product. Right. And then they wonder why all the money's gone and they don't, they only last six months. Yeah. So here's why I, here's my personal take on why I don't think volume solves everything. Like I said, I'm frugal. (laughs) We know this. Maybe even cheap a little bit. (laughs) That's okay. And before I implemented Profit First in my business, because I like to break things before I recommend them, we were doing fine. You know, we were mm-hmm. close to a million in sales. I had a great team. Um, we were profitable. I was taking home a decent pay. Not great, but decent. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and things felt fine. But of course, I'm like, well, let me just see. Da-da-da. So I did our allocation percentages you know, which is like, how much of your income are you spending on these different things? And I realized that our overhead was too high. And I thought, well, really? And that my owner's pay was about half what it quote unquote should be by oh, the system. Sure. And when I looked at my habits, because of course it was me. <laughs> when I looked at my habits, what I noticed was we were getting to the end of a quarter or the end of a year. And I was like, so much money left over. Let's upgrade our computers. And I'm going to go on another, you know, sure, yeah. conference because I've never been to Alabama before or wherever. Right. And by simply saying, nope, here's the boundary line. Anything above this is irresponsible. doesn't mean I can't choose to do it. Sure. It just means that if I'm paying something additional here in operating expenses above my recommended percentage, that's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. And it has and to be I, a very conscious choice. It can't be a, yes. oh, we should do this because the money's there. Because it turned out where it was coming from was my pay. Right. And so within one year, without any change in income, I doubled my take-home pay. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, I think that idea of like, oh, we just have to sell more to solve this problem. If the, if there isn't good structure, you're just kind of, you know. Yeah. If you don't get those fundamentals in place, you're actually just making a a small problem, bigger, a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. Now there's one thing you said there that I want to, I want to get at your, your personal mind here. Oh yeah. Um, Cause we like to get into the awkward. So you said you talked about being frugal, if not cheap. Oh yeah. And, and that's also somewhat at odds. Cause that's something that I run into myself where I, I can keep things very, very trim to the point that I sometimes forget that I can afford more. 
or I don't allow myself to to spend some money that I should be spending in order to to run things well. But ha- so how is that at odds with your mindset of being okay with making more money? Well, I don't think it's at odds. I think that that is, you know, that is me reminding myself as well. Mm-hmm. But here, you know, again, here's what I love about giving every dollar a job and giving every dollar a home. When I saw that my take-home pay was less than it should be for a healthy business, it forced me to confront the fact that I was, you know, being anorexic with my own pay and that I was hoarding cash in the business Mm -hmm. rather than taking it for myself. And once I was able to take the emotion out of it and be like, this is not me being greedy. This is, you know, what a healthy business should pay their owner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. Right. It's it's and, kind of like you were having that conversation with your former boss about I should make $25 an hour, yet you were still only giving yourself the quarter raise before that moment. Well, my problem was I was giving myself the $25 an hour and feeling great about it instead of being like, woman, you're the CEO. Yeah, right. I think you should be making more than 25 an hour. You know yeah, what I mean? Like exactly. I just didn't. Yeah. Because I didn't have any need for more, you know, mm-hmm. my retirement was fully funded. I, my lifestyle is perfect. You know, right. I don't have extra needs. So mm-hmm. what I did with that extra money was I was able to up my charitable giving. Right. I was able to save for a way more fun vacation and take <laughs> some, you know, and pay for my brother-in-law to come along with us. You know, sure. so it allowed me to expand my generosity in a way that mm-hmm. I just hadn't thought about before. Um, right. And I think and, that's a really good point to what you'd mentioned before. You don't have to keep all that money. Yeah. Like you need to get it into the right bucket and, and pay yourself accordingly. But that doesn't mean that you have to, to be a greedy person or just hoard it. You can, like you said, you can be more generous, whether it's charitable or sharing experiences with people. Yeah. And so hoarding in the business is also a real thing, right? Because again, mm-hmm. we can not take out of it what we need to take out of it. And I actually, as part of this, because I applied the same, part of what made me fall in love with Profit First was I realized that that was the system that I had been using in my personal life to manage my personal cash because I didn't want to think about it. I just right. wanted everything to be automated and paid. And I just wanted to know that I was okay. Hilarious that I couldn't translate that over to my business until someone told me to. But, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but that's how yeah, that's how life is, right? We have the hardest times looking in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that I do in my personal life is I have a prepaid visa that a portion of my paycheck deposits to, okay. and that is my self care card. And so to me, it's a, it's a upper limit balance as well as a lower limit balance. So a, I won't like do nothing for myself and then freak out and spend way too much unless that money's on the card. Mm -hmm. But it also is an early warning system for me of, Hey, the balance is getting awfully high. That means you haven't been doing stuff for yourself. I love that. Time to like invite a friend out to breakfast or go get a massage when you can do that again, you know, Mm -hmm. and all of those sorts of things that it's that it's just like a temperature gauge. Yeah. I love that idea because it's, it's a very tangible thing that's, that's in your face because it's, it's too easy for the calendar to have too many days go by before you took that break. Yes. And, And we don't see that. We don't see that, that balance building on the calendar like you do when it's on a card. Right. And I think the idea of having it, obviously in a prepaid card avoids that debt. That was, that was one thing when you talked about, you know, bankruptcy and getting to that place where you're starting over, 
I never understood a budget till I went through a divorce and realized that I, I a couple of years ago, I was having this realization. I got divorced about five years ago and swore I will, you know, I haven't added any debt since then. So it's just paying off sins of the past. And I've been felt very good about that. Yeah. But I had this realization that, that I had more expendable income when I was in middle school mowing lawns with no bills, right? It's like I would make a couple hundred bucks a month, but I didn't have anything to pay off. I didn't, you know, I bought some gas for the lawnmower. That was it. And I, and I realized that. I'm like, okay, I'm 40 years old. I was 40 years old at that point. And I'm thinking I could afford to do more when I, you know, wanted to go to the corner market and get a burger and fries or whatever. And so I realized I needed to get my finances in place. And I, I think to, to what you went through, when, when you have something like that happen where it resets your life, you have to learn how to do it. But that's what teaches us how to teach and help others. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm um, at this point being almost 30 years away from it. I'm incredibly grateful for that experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm incredibly grateful because it happened so young, that sure. it, yeah. you know, and, and because it happened in my personal life. And so I didn't lose a business along with that. You right. know, I know that that's just a whole other level of heartbreak that again, I just, I don't want anyone to have to go through that, mm -hmm. what I went through, especially when we have our own business and we can control more who we decide to work with, what we decide to charge. Yeah. Now, now I am curious. Uh, we talked about when and why you had to share that. How did you see your relationship with your clients that you started advising? How did you see that affect that relationship once you were sharing that information? Um, I mean, a lot of my current clients didn't really care. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> they already knew you, right? They already knew me. And, yeah. you know, and a lot of them, uh, because I had not been offering advisory services up until that point, didn't really feel the need to take the leap with me. Some of mm -hmm. them did. Um, and I think, you know, what, what really has shifted our practice and our clients was the pandemic. Mm, and again, yeah. that's another like brutal horror show right. that for me personally, I have some, um, gratitude about, which sounds kind of gross to say, cause I know, you know, lots of people died and right. I, you know, I don't have anyone in my close circle who died, but definitely I have friends of friends that, that died of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, but for me that, that just being able to see the proof of our clients who were using a, a cash management system did insanely well this last year. Yeah. And those who didn't, didn't, we had, we had one company close, maybe two companies close. And a couple clients leave us because they just couldn't afford anything anymore. Right. And so again, I just, you know, it, it hurts me to see the difference, people not recognizing the difference between an expense and an investment, or sure. even if they recognize it, not having the actual cash to be able to make that investment. Like right. that's when things get scary in business. And so we've just now said, you know, anyone that's, that's working with us for bookkeeping has to use profit first. You don't have to do it with us, but you right. have to do it because it yeah. makes such a ginormous difference in people's yeah. ability to, to move forward. And you do get to a point where if your clients are not buying into the beliefs that you follow, they're better not, they're better off not being your clients and you're better off not having them because you aren't going to be as helpful. Yeah. I, and I am, I am glad to hear you touch on the pandemic because I, that's one of those things where, you know, I, I've, 
that what I noticed was that many of the businesses who closed the quickest and the fastest were already kind of fooling themselves about the health of their business. And, and granted, this was an extreme thing, like no one could see this coming. However, the businesses who have made it through are going to be stronger than ever. And some businesses had to get real on learning some things really quick. But when the, when we get out of a lot of the restrictions that are still in place, depending on where you're at, businesses will have learned new ways to promote themselves, new ways to transact business. They'll be able to integrate the online and delivery services they didn't have before with the in-house that's now opened back up. And all of a sudden, they've taken their business offering from here to here, and they're going to be better than ever. And have so a much more loyal co customer base as well. Exactly. So there, there are so many blessings. And, and, and unfortunately, some of our hardest lessons are from tragedy, whether it's bankruptcy yeah. or, um, you know, losing someone or whatever that is. But we have to find what the lessons that we can learn and the, the new tools that we have from going through that. That's the only way we can get through it. <laughs> and stay sane. Right. <laughs> Ish. Yeah, exactly. So Ian, I could talk to you for hours. This is I'm I feel like I'm learning so much and just this is entertaining and fun. Um, but we do have to go in a second here. But before we go, what advice would you give our listeners for how they can own their awkward? Oh, um, so just in the same theme, you know, if you feel awkward around money, know that you're not alone. Know that millions of other people do as well, and you don't have to like it, but you have to do it. And so I would say, you know, the baby step that I love is open up a, a profit savings account and just start putting 1% of your income into there. Not what, not your profit, not wow. what's left over, but every time you earn, you know, a hundred dollars, Put a dollar in that bank account and just watch it grow and see if that motivates you to, to dig deeper and learn more. Um, and I think, you know, starting by reading the book Profit First by Mike Michalowicz or listening to it is a great I love that. Next and I can step. see it right behind you. I've been eyeballing it this whole time going, I'm going to read that book very soon here. <laughs> so uh, I love that. Ian, where is the best place for people to find you and connect? And we will have all of these links are in the description. So click on those too. But just for people who are just listening. Yeah, I mean, my website is great, uh, moxiebookkeeping.com. Um, and thank you for putting a link so I don't have to spell that. We also have a Facebook group and I know people are a little bit over Facebook and I get that, but it's called Financial Clarity for Creative Business Owners. And so I go live in there with a little video about, you know, different ways to use Profit First and what is Profit First and why should you care? Um, so if you want to, if you're not someone who's going to sit down and read a whole book, that's a great way to just get a little taste of the action. Plus, we get your personality at the same time, which is yeah. fun. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a, it's awesome. I, I, I love having you here. Uh, thank you so much, Ian. It's been such a pleasure, and I can't wait to read the book and, and watch more of your videos because I've already learned so much in the short time we've known each other, just getting that little, oh, yeah, I need to remember this, and I need to pay attention to that, and it's just that little daily dose. Awesome. So thank Very you so nice. much. Thank you. And everybody else, be sure to follow Ian, get on the Profits First program and check out all of her stuff. Join the Facebook group. You won't regret it. And do some, make some healthy choices for your business finances. And of course, as always, own your awkward. Thank you so much for listening in for today's show. Be sure to visit awkwardcareer.com to continue your journey. And of course, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends so they can find their awkward side and learn how to own it. 